Well, I'm just not cool enough to intro this podcast after that awesome song. Hope we don't get sued. Oh, man. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host and hot and sexy, yeah, Tyler. Hot and sweaty from wearing winter clothing. I was going to say sweaty, but then it felt rude. Not, I'm not currently sweaty, but I've been sweaty, and you can yeah. tell. Yeah. So you that's got some hat hair going on. We've turned looking good. Five to ten viewers of or listeners have turned it off They're already. Like gross and shut it down. Jesus, <laughs> Tyler, what are we doing today? So we did this last year, but this is our kind of our wrap up of uh, the year prior in terms of current movies, 2019 movies. And the reason that we're doing this is that you know, okay, so the podcast is we list we watch uh, movies that we saw growing up. Uh, 80s and 90s movies mostly, and we review them. But we also talk about new movies, and sometimes, because we go to a lot of movies, and also sometimes the movies that we do on the show that we focus on are tied to a current uh, movie. Just recently we did A Little Women from 94, and then we did A Little Women from 2019. We did Return of the Jedi, we did The Rise of Skywalker, Aladdin, Aladdin, Lion King, Lion King. That's what I'm saying. So the, we're, we're doing so a thing. Cool. Look at us being all thoughtful, planning yeah. ahead. But we see a lot of movies, and so everybody else. I mean, we're behind the times. Obviously, it's January. We're recording this, but we take longer than those big city folk to see these movies. So here we are. We're doing it now. The Oscars haven't happened yet, so it's fine. I say yes, it is, and we do see a lot of movies. I think uh, I shared my list with my uh, coworker, and he saw four hmm. of the. 45 movies that I saw from 2019. Yeah. And you saw... I'm uh, about 100 now, which is about what I usually try to hit, and then I see yeah. other stuff, and I repeat some stuff, so about 100 different titles of 2019 movies. Yeah. In addition to all the old millennial right. and, movies we saw. And if you remember, at the beginning part of the year, I was watching a lot of stuff on Turner Classic Movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, you... <laughs> yep. And I, you know, so then I had to start focusing a little bit more on the newer stuff in the last few months. But maybe, yeah, since we're done with this, maybe it's time to go back to the Turner Classics. Maybe. Yeah. So in this episode, we're going to share our top 10 favorite movies from 2019. Correct. And we're going to go, you know, 10, We're going to go 10, start 9, from 9. 10 and work our way up to one. And if uh, one of us shares a movie that's on the other person's list, we'll wait until it gets the other person's list higher up. To its highest pull position. And then yes. we'll talk about it. Yes. And then we'll have some honorable mentions and uh, some uh, some awards we're going to slig it in there, too. Yes. Great. So, who wants to start? I have no idea. I think you should start. I should start? Yeah. Want to flip a coin? You'll I have kinda, no idea. You'll get us, like, warmed up, because you're so good at talking about movies. Am I? Because my number 10 is, like, the one that, like, nobody's seen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's let's hear. What is it? Okay, well, number 10 is Transit. You're right. It's the one movie on your list that I have not seen. It is the one movie on my list that you have not seen because you That's did what see I my list. I literally just said. I'm just cl clarifying oh. that you have seen my list. Yeah. Okay. We we've seen each other's lists kind of. Ooh, in that looking at my list. You 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 showed me something initially, but then you said some things changed, and I said that mine is largely from what I when I wrote a print version, but I've rearranged the order a little bit. The same ten movies on yes. mine though. Here's what I can say about my list. Uh -huh. I. It's subject to change because I am subject to change my mind at the at, at any whim or evidence or conversation. Well, so we, it could change right now. It could. When you tell your, us you're number 10, you have to go through your point system, though, because I find that uh, fun. Okay. You got it. <laughs> so my number 10 is Transit, and this is a German film from the director uh, Christian Petzold. He made a movie a couple years ago called Phoenix, 
And we talked about it on the podcast. We talked about all these movies on the podcast. I think I probably don't need to say that every time. But it is uh, – it was a book that was set in World War II uh, about uh, a refugee who's kind of trying to escape uh, the, a, a Nazi regime, right? And the movie – uh, updates that but doesn't say Nazis it just it, it's a modern story and there's some kind of regime and this person's trying to get out of the country and that's a kind of a fun I mean not it's not fun because it's not it's kind of mm-hmm. a grim subject matter but it does kind of add a new parallel to it a little bit and um, kind of puts a more like timeless nature to it the performances are really good and then it's just it's just really twisty like he this is this man who uh, you know, I think it's worth seeing as it's on Amazon Prime. And you should uh, people should just go seek it out and watch it. But he, the kind of what set this, sets this off is that he's able to get some papers to escape the country, but it's tied to someone who has died. But his wife is still waiting for the husband to show up, and so there's these complications. And the other thing I really love about it is that there's narration throughout the whole thing, but. As it goes along, you begin to realize that the narration is not accurate. Wait, is this the movie that you said had a really good scene, and I went back and I watched just that scene? No, that's the previous director, the director's film, Phoenix. There's a final scene, okay. a musical, a song performance that it's a similar is really good. Story. No, yeah, I mean, it has a World War II undertones. This is set in a modern time, but yeah. I thought there was like a stolen identity. Yes, yes. There's okay. the, Both movies are very good. You should watch both. I don't, okay. Phoenix was on Netflix, but I can't remember which where look check your streaming services both of these are available okay but it's just it's it's just a unique story it's original and it it, yes it's foreign language but uh i I, the narration is great because it's like this character is and it's not the main character speaking it it's another Mm -hmm. character we haven't seen and it just begin you begin to notice like the things he's describing aren't what's happening on screen and that Mm -hmm. just adds this this almost like dreamy nature to it or like what's what's reliable what's happening and I, it adds the tension. I just, I really, uh, when I watched this, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, I just really loved loved it. So, Transit, Transit. number 10. You tried to get me to watch it, but... It's so good, yeah. I was only good. willing to watch one foreign film in the last couple of weeks, so, sorry. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, but... Transit, it is available on Amazon Prime. It is. My number 10. Number Transit. 10. Well, my number 10... Ooh. Well, hold on. I want to hear, because... What I'll say about my list is that I, I I tend to go off what feels right to me, what I've had good experiences with. I will tend to rewatch if I can some of my higher ones to make sure that that's where I'm at with them. But you you adopted a more specific uh, method of determining your top ten. Please please share. I did. So usually in the past, I'm like I'm like you, only more random. So I'll just be like randomly picking some movies that I think are my favorites, right? Mm-hmm. But this year, I wanted to have a more methodical approach, and I really wanted to ask myself like, what makes a good movie to me? What makes it my favorite movie? Right? I, Which is different than a good movie. A favorite movie versus a good movie. Yeah, and we should distinguish that this is our favorites of the year, right? Yeah. And I too, and I think that this is important because for you to do this, I thought I just loved when you shared with me this point system because I thought it was very fun. Because, I mean, I keep a log throughout the year of mm-hmm. what I've watched. You don't do that. I sure don't. <laughs> so, to the point where you have to look at mine and be like, okay, did I see that I one? Like, did I not did see I that see one? That? He didn't look. You forgot. I forgot some on my list. Terminator yeah. Cell or whatever. Terminator, what the hell was that called? Yeah. Wasn't on my list. Yeah. Is it on your top 10? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is in my bottom 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to put that out there. 
What are you putting out? Declare there? just that you. The reason, like, I just love that you you I made don't this keep track of what I watch. But that's why you kind of you develop. But see, you, I appreciate how you like took this like you I took, took this seriously, seriously and you're like, I'm, no, I have to like now I haven't kept a log, so I need to like apply some points. So please yes. share. So I per, I uh, assigned a point system, mm-hmm. and there are four categories. The first category was wasn't memorable, as in in six months. Will I remember it? Or if I watched it six months, 12 months ago, do I remember it? So it has to be a movie that, like, (laughs) made some sort of actual fucking impact that was important enough for me to remember. But let's recall that I also have a really bad memory for movies. Mm -hmm. So not, like, the only, you know, criteria I'd want to go by. But I I think you also applied a a theory, too, to this same category, is that if you watch, like, a trailer for something you watch, and then it jogs your memory, you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of still counts, right? Definitely. Okay. (laughs) Because sometimes I do need a little jogging of that Because I think there's a couple on this list that I was just like, wait, that's not on your list? She's like, oh, what was that about? And then you, like, watch trailers, like, oh, yeah! Mm -hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second category is, do I want to watch it again? Okay. Because there are those movies that you're like, fuck, that was a good movie. But then you're like, I never need to see that movie again. So I had some movies that scored high in other categories, but scored low in the, do I want to watch it again? One so of they... my awards touches on this very topic. Yep. The third category was, did it evoke a strong emotion for me? Oh, yeah. So did it make me cry? Mm. Did it make me laugh out loud? Was I one of the only people in the theater laughing out loud? That's Always. a good indicator. No. <laughs> uh, did it make me feel tension or stressed out? Mm. Or did I leave feeling, like, changed emotionally? Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's important for me because I it feel is. like a good story, You even if you don't relate to it, it impacts you and affects you and gets into your soul. And then my last category is, does the movie serve a bigger purpose? Mm. Does it have an important message or is it like, meh, whatevs? So there were some that were like, uh, I could give you an example, like John Wick Chapter 3 almost made it into my top 10 because it hits on very memorable, I want to watch it again, strong emotion because I was whacking you in the arm the whole time watching it going, yeah, Mm -hmm. but does it serve a bigger purpose? Uh, no, there's no bigger message there. Sometimes, At least, I mean, one yeah. could argue that there is, but for me, there wasn't. It's so not it dropped down. It's not in my top ten. It's one of my honorable, honorable mentions, and I would just say that sometimes you just need to see a movie where Keanu Reeves has a knife fight for fifteen. You minutes. do, <laughs> and I'm looking at my scoring here, and it scored very high. Watch again. I gave it a five out of five. Yeah, like, I'm definitely gonna watch it again. I took because I, I saw it before you went, so then I went with you, and it, it plays fucking great still. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, okay. typical Likert scale of like one, not at all, up to five, okay. very, very much. So everything it, everything in your movie list, was there anything that got zeros? Or was there always no, a one? There was always a one. Great. And even, I'm like one of those people that like one, I feel kind of bad about giving, so there were very few ones even. My The fun part for me was that you did show me initially like a points of some of these movies, and there were like five or six that had the same points, and I was yes. like, I don't think your point system is doing exactly what you need it to. It definitely <laughs> isn't. So my top ten movies are in a span of basically three or four points. Okay. So, like, my my top four movies all have the same score. Oh, okay. All right. So So then you just have to throw in the, like, just cause factor. Okay. So then, did you, you know, avo- avo- award points for that? I didn't award points. I just was like, okay, well, out of those four that scored the same points, here's my order. I love this. So I a want little you bit to, of randomness. I want you to apply this logic to literally everything in life and, and share it. Well, it's you know that me. I struggle with picking favorites. You do. Of everything. What's my favorite food? I, I've got several. Right. I'm so very I want to. I think we should start a new podcast called... <laughs> 
Angela makes things. A- Angela adds points to things or something like that. We'll have to come up with a jazzier name. Oh God. Okay. So Angela's point system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. New podcast spinoff. Yeah. Well, and you know, recently I started a new role at work where I'm like an analyst. So you know, I got to do some. I'm analyzing data. I'm not kidding. We're starting this podcast. <laughs> it kind of sounds fun. It does, and I could just be the guy that's like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, you're fucking weird. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so speaking of fucking weird. Number 10 Number on 10. Angela's list. Okay, you're going to be shocked. Am I? You're not, because I've already told you. Okay. But um, some movies don't have to be good movies to okay. be favorite movies. Okay. So I, I will agree that this is not a critically acclaimed good movie. Okay. But it hits on all my categories. So this movie we saw with our whole family in the uh-huh. theaters on vacation. Uh-huh. And uh, I, it's Dora and the Lost City of Gold, number 10. <laughs> Insert Dora clip here. Boing! I love this pick. First of all, it got good reviews. So let's put that out there. You are not picking <laughs> a critically reviled movie. Is it like... Now, when Top I 10? say it got good reviews, it got like three-star reviews, not, not, a, not a four-star review. But... Listen, share why. Okay, well, lots of reasons Okay. Why. But mostly, like, uh, our kids mm-hmm. are four, our girls are four and eight. Mm-hmm. And Dork, the cartoon, came out way before, when, like, my friend's kids were little. So right. we're watching it very, like, late. Oh, you have old friends, season. is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, throwing some shade? Yeah, they don't listen to the podcast, so it's oh, fine. Okay. That's what they get. They get burned. <laughs> that's, why my, that's why I say to my mom all the time. <laughs> No, she probably does listen. So they watched Dora the Explorer, mm-hmm. like the old ones, right? And our four-year-old still watches it, and to the point where she, she loves it, is dressed up for Halloween two years at age two and age four as Dora the Explorer. She loves it with the the whole little, you know, the cute little. What color shorts does she have? Orange shorts, a little it's pink top ten shirts. film of the year. You don't know her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I wasn't wrong on the colors. Uh-huh. Yellow socks, the whole thing. Okay, so. Emotional attachment already because the kids love it. And then I was expecting this movie to be absolute dog shit. Like, why, why are we having a fucking Our kids wanted to go action? really badly, though. They really yeah, they were, were excited. Like, they were really excited. And I was like, oh, All my of God. Our kids. This is going to be horrible. How could they even make this movie? And then I saw some trailer. It was like Boots the Monkey was animated. I was like, this is going to be fucking awful. Right. So my bar was below nothing. I was like, this is going to be a miserable experience. But fuck you. Here you go, kids. Love you. Mm-hmm. So we go to the movie, all four of our kids do the whole thing on vacation, and it was it was fun. It was fun. It 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 knows exactly what it is. It knows exactly what it's it is. It's having it's having fun with the 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 te- you know teasing a little bit, but not like being mean about it. Right? It's yep. still it's a it's it has admiration for the show and what it was, but it's also just like teasing, like because it's meant for I think. Uh, eight to I think the target audience is probably like eight to thirteen. Like, oh, I was gonna say eight to thirty-five. Well, sure, but yes. I think. Well, then I would say the parents also kind of enjoy it because they grew up with it, right? Yeah, I think if you're like in your fifties and you've never no. seen this and your kids never saw it, you'd be like, "This is stupid." But like, I think I think our our girls liked it because it was enough relatability to that. But then there's also commenting, and then like there's is an animated sequence in it that is like really like psychedelically having fun with but the it's characters. Like old school door. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fun, and, and the it, main gal is good. She's really yeah, good in the part. She's great. She is. Like 
likable on screen. Mm-hmm. She's not like obnoxious. Nope. I would say some of the other actors that played the other high schoolers maybe were, weren't as good. Sure. Um, the parents who are played by you know two people: Eva Longoria enjoy. and uh, Michael. Is it Michael? Pe- Michael Pena. I want to say that. Right. Yeah. Why is your cast? Where's your notes? You know Get what? Your they, stuff they put together. it in order of appearance. It's her name. The Dora is 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 it Isabel? Nope. Madeline. Nope. 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 That's the young girl. Yeah, Isabella Moner. Merced. Merced. She changed her name. It used to be Isabella Mon- Moner. Okay, that was in the movie. Is credited as that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Michael Pena. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So good. They're both really good. Yeah, They're the really parents good. Are good. The parents are really good. It's fun. It's the fun story's movie. really well written. There's great musical sequences. <laughs> our do- oh, yeah. So our four-year-old at the end was, like, dancing to this musical number that's going on. And then it gets – there's a there's – a, a ten seconds quiet. before, it, like, it, the credit music comes on. And, like, it's, the theater's pretty full. And she just yelled out very loud. I was like, that – I want to watch this movie forever. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, I mean, that's pretty priceless. Mm-hmm. I would say our kids reacted more excitedly to Dora than they did to Frozen 2. They did, yeah. They liked it more, so, I would say. I liked it more than Frozen 2 so as well. Go. So there you go. So number, number 10, 10 for me, the foreign German film Transit. <laughs> and number 10 for you, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Oh. By the way, we spent several minutes talking about it. Also, uh-huh. Dora checks the box of a little bit of diversity. Yeah, sure. Which I think is important to include. I think the movie the was list. the movie was a hit, like a modest hit too. Yeah. So there you go. Well, it wasn't just us that uh, went and saw this thing. That's right. So that was one of my re- awards. Uh, it was like, hey, no, really, it's actually pretty good. Award mm-hmm. goes to Dora in the Lost City. Yes, Gold. it does. So You're you welcome. All right, all right, Tyler. What is your number nine? Number nine for me is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Eh, eh, eh. Pause. Okay. It's also on my list. It's higher on your list. It is higher okay, on we my will list. table it for now, but my number nine is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Should be higher on your list. Okay. <laughs> Just saying, like it definitely should so be. So in, in in instead, I will share an award. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go with most romantic scene in a movie. I'm gonna guess um in Doric's The Explorer. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Um she shares a slightly awkward scene with her cousin, Diego. Nope, don't like that scene. <laughs> where you're like, is he looking at her romantically? This is awkward. Is it that? It is, is that not. the award? Because uh, that could have been an award. My most romantic scene uh, happens in the underseen, very funny comedy, Long Shot, with Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. They have a dance, a prom-like dance at a state or a function overseas, and they go into a back room and have a dance to a very cheesy song. And it is great. And it is easily the most romantic, uh, just really great. Like that movie, I thought that movie, like when that oh, scene happened. About, we might oh, be talking okay. about Okay, Longshot might be yeah. coming up later. Anyway, Longshot, most romantic scene is my award. Okay. That was number nine, number nine was a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Mr. Rogers. Let's go to your number nine. My number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so again, my list is subject to change. This was not originally on this, but then I had to jag my memory a little. Mm. And realize this movie's really fucking good, and I think people don't appreciate it. Okay. As, like, a movie that's worthy of being considered a good movie. Okay. Uh, Avengers Endgame. I think that a lot of people love it. It is the highest grossing movie of all time. But, like, critic, like, it's not going to, like, be nominated for an Oscar. Friend and uh, frequent past and future guests of this podcast Sean Scott uh, shared with me that this is his favorite movie of the year. So. As it could should be for him. It's really good. 
it's in my honorable mentions. It's like number 12 or 13 or something like that. It is, uh, well, go ahead. Share why you really loved it. Because it's awesome. Okay. Okay. You have all your favorite characters. All of them. Doing. Not Nick Fury very much, but okay. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> my condolences. Mm-hmm. We'd be in my top ten if he was in more of the movie. No, I'm just um, <laughs> you just get the wrap-up of a lot of character development. You get Robert Downey Jr. bringing his A-game, which I would argue he has brought his A-game to most of these movies, which is very impressive. Mm-hmm. You get Captain America doing his... Uh, awesomeness. Chris Evans, very, yeah. He's very great. good. You get Fat Thor. Oh, yeah. Also, spoilers, right? Like, if you're it's listening to this. has been out for a while. No, I mean, for this whole podcast. <laughs> oh, pretty much, yeah. Like, if yeah. you haven't seen any of the movies, like, just stop. Uh, there might be a couple thing, couple movies on our list that I might not, just because it's... Anyway. What? I'll no, we're spoiling him. everything. Okay, fine. Anyway, Fat Thor. Okay, yeah. And, you know, all of it. So much action. All of it. The only part that I don't like is the, like... We are women fighting. Oh, that one shot. Yeah. yeah that I was could, obnoxious, but if I just ignore that, that, like, we are women fighting scene, then it's fine. I We talked about that on the podcast. And I agree with you that it is awkward and stilted. But yeah. I did also read that it was really empowering and great to some people out there. And I was like, well, all right. I mean, it's just one shot. It's like five seconds. Who cares? Um, I liked that uh, What's Her Name Died, not Jeremy Renner. Oh, ooh, all right. Jeez. Okay. All right. I, that's, I like, that's a hot. That's a hot button. It is issue. a hot button. Some people don't uh, don't agree with you because they obviously like her more than him. I mean, it's really a selfish reason to want that character to die. She's got a whole movie coming out. It's fine. She's got a whole. Yeah, that trailer doesn't look good, but uh, I, uh there's so much to it. So yeah, like. it's uh, it's in my honorable. It's in my honorable mention. I love the first hour that because I wasn't. I, I Infinity War is is good, right? I didn't love the the splitting in half and the cliffhanger because it just seemed like it was going to be undone, right? But what I love about Avengers Endgame is that it sits in that shit for an hour. Yeah. Like, they, they really, like, have the consequences of it. There's that title card that goes five years later, and it's yep. just like, damn, they're actually going to do this. That's pretty good. Like, shit is bad. Well, it's bad for most people. Right, and I just, I thought I, I give it a lot of credit for, like, doing that, and then also, like, still having lingering consequences to this whole endeavor, right? And I, and the middle section is this fucking amazing time travel movie, which is just super fun. Yes. You know, the last hour has got some great moments in it. It's very busy, whatever. It's not my favorite part of the movie. But... I love it when it gets... But action pack. I mean, you know, he says Avengers assemble. I mean, it's pretty great, it's, right? It's it's hitting on all the checkboxes. It's it's a good one. I'm glad that I mean, yeah, it was a really satisfying experience, so. Yeah, and yeah. I would definitely watch it again. Oh yeah, definitely. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah. All right. So number 9 Avengers Endgame. Great. Um, number 8 for you, Mr. Number 8 for me is a uh little film called Midsommar. <laughs> We're going to have to table that one for later. So two in a row that I've said that are higher on your list. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, all right. Midsummer is uh, on my number eight, but we will talk about it later because you like it just a little bit more than me. For sure. Okay. Okay. My number eight mm-hmm. is a tie. That's <laughs> how you sneak in extra ones. Ties. I'm a yeah. I'm a fan of ties. I did not do any ties this year, but I, I am. Uh, I've been shocked. I've been known to do it over my 20 years of published reviews yeah. of p- published lists. Okay, I've, I've done it before. We talked about both of these movies 
in the last episode, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and I feel like they are very different movies, but they hit on some very similar topics. Okay. And they're both, I thought, super funny and relatable. So it is a tie for number eight of Long Shot mm. with Seth Rogen. Just mentioned. And Charlize Theron. And Late Night. Okay. Yeah, we did talk about these movies pretty recently. You were like many in this country, missed out on both of them when they were in theaters. Yeah. They were, they didn't perform that well. Um, Jeez, I wonder why. They're both really good, and they're really funny. And they yeah. would probably, I would list those two as the funniest movies of the year, too. Like, yes. really. I mean, in terms of a comedy. Yeah. That's, I don't know if that says a lot about the comedy state right now, but... No, they were funny. No, those are... No, that's what I'm saying. There was only, there was yeah. basically only, like, books, throw books, Marty, yeah. there's, like, three funny movies all year. <laughs> really, that were straight comedies. Um... Longshot is consistently funny throughout the whole movie. I think so, yeah. I think if you go back and watch Late Night, you would really in- enjoy it on second viewing. It's just been a while since I've seen it. I did like it. I think that Late Night is an important movie because it has a, it's a comedy about a strong woman who is older and older in her career. And you don't get, we don't get to see a lot of those characters. Emma Thompson, yeah. she's hosts a late night show. Mindy Kaling comes to work for her. Yeah, you don't, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of, like, powerful women who are getting older. That is not a story that we like to tell. Unless it's the devil wears Prada and she's bad. Yeah, I mean, and so that's, like, one out of a thousand movies you'll get this story. So I think Mm -hmm. it's an, it's an important story, and it's funny, and she's really fun to watch, and Mindy Kaling's really fun to watch, and I think it gives you kind of, like, a, almost like a, this is what a writer's room sometimes looks like, and Mm -hmm. that's always fun to see something different and new in that way i like that and uh a long shot we just recently watched this together mm-hmm. had a great time with it uh what's great about it is that the chemistry like especially with my word about the most romantic their chemistry is really good and you would have not have thought that going in no. right because seth rogan is seth rogan and charlie's throne is Charlize throne but she is an incredible actress and seth rogan is always consistently funny that it just works mm-hmm. uh the best maybe one of the best scenes of the year is uh, Charlize Theron, who is, uh, she's like Secretary of State, and she has done some drugs, uh, having some fun, so, some Molly. So she hasn't... Got, she's never she's, done any of this she's stuff. She's very, like, uh, eyes on the prize, checking all the boxes, high mm-hmm. achiever, doing everything, Secretary of State, very powerful, very strong, very, like, good. Right. And then she's dating Seth Rogen. Right. And then she knows that he has drugs, and then, like, at some point in their relationship, she's like, hey, let's, like, do some, like, Molly. Yeah. She's like, you want to smoke some Molly? Yeah, smoke some Molly. So they get super high on Molly. They right. go to, like, a rave. Yep. She's all, like, in disguise, like, got a big hat, big sunglasses, but then she's Secretary of State, she gets it's called a into a crisis. Happens. Yeah. There's a hostage situation. And uh, she's got giant glasses on. She's clearly drugged out. People are, bu- she, she, all these generals and people are looking at her. So she tucks herself behind a desk mm-hmm. and she gets on the phone. The, she grabs the phone, the landline phone, pulls it down, sits on the floor. And she's like, ah, oh, my boss. God, he's so, he's so she's dumb. She's like, I and, get it. We're in the same situation. We both think my boss is an asshole. Yeah, it's great. And then. AKA the president. And then the best part is just like, you know, listen. Because we don't. There's a hostage. There's a, it's like, we don't negotiate with terrorists, but we do negotiate with homies. <laughs> funniest delivery i can't even give it to do it justice it's so good she it's so good like <laughs> she's like well, do, we'll listen, negotiate with homies, as you know right? we do not negotiate with terrorists but <laughs> we do negotiate with homies love it like oh my god so good it's the best charlie's throne uh not oscar nominated for bombshell 
better in long shot. Better in, in long shot. That scene alone, she should get an Oscar yeah, for. Yeah, she's great. I mean, she's beloved, right? But so, if you can go watch Long Shot and Late Night, those were my number eight. Late Night is on Amazon Prime and on Video. Long Shot is on Video and I think HBO. So okay. there you go. Watch them. Oh, nice. My number seven. Let's see. Are you going to buzz me on this one? Oh, maybe. No. My number seven is a film that uh, I think that it's on a lot, it's on my list more than a lot of other people's critics list. Because listen, I think my list is probably very. Uh, and I don't. I don't mean to do this on purpose, but it's like film Twitter approved. Like a lot of the movies that are popular. I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. There's film Twitter. There's a people. There's a group. There's a group speak about what the great movies are of the year, right? Okay. And in general. I think that they happen to be right this year. A lot of the great movies are these these movies, right? So oh. I think my list in general is probably film Twitter approved, minus this one, I think, a little bit. Um, and it's Toy Story 4. Feel free to talk okay, about that Okay, not movie. on your list. I mean, it's in my top 20. Okay. I think what knocked it down for me was I didn't... Yep, yeah, go okay. ahead. So, so I what I love about Toy Story 4, I'm a huge fan of the, the series. Love all of them. Some of my favorite movies of all time are I'm I'm surrounded by the evidence right now. So, I mean, I'm obviously on the hook for it. But at the same time, I have as much to lose for it being not very good than a lot of other people would be, right? Like, if it was... It would, it, hurts. it would hurt if it was not as good, right? And number three, a lot of people feel like ends perfectly. And it does for most of the characters. But what I love about Toy Story 4 is that it refocuses on what like a better arc for the character of Woody and where he's left at three, I think leaves him in a weird spot. And I think it's just this great story of him. And yes, the other characters get sidelined a little bit, but those movies, other those other movies exist. This is a movie about Woody. And it also brings back Bo Peep in a great way that re, re recontextualizes their relationship, makes her a much more developed character. And I, to me, I just, I find the ending of Toy Story 4, I think it's really entertaining throughout, but I just think the ending is more satisfying as someone who loves the franchise and loves the character of Woody. I just find it to be just the, the right ending and the emotional beat that I wanted and needed. Mm -hmm. And it's beautifully made. Um, it's really funny for a while. You've got Forky, who is, uh, just a freaking national treasure. We, our kids, uh, and we all enjoy Forky Asks a Question because it's just, uh, Tony Hale crushing it, uh, totally. with a great character. Keanu Reeves, who was an all-star this year for various reasons. John Wick, always be my maybe. And he's Duke Kaboom in Toy Story 4. Mm -hmm. He's a stuntman, a, a short stuntman mm -hmm. who's, you know, afraid of crashing. And it's great. And, uh, yeah, I just, I've seen it a few times because our kids like it, and I, yeah, I, I, I unapologetically think that it's great, and I, I almost, this is the one that when people say, like, well, it's okay, not as good as three, I'm like, well, you know what, it's a little bit better than you think, and if you, and I, I like to share my, my thoughts on it, because I, I, do I like I do like it. your thoughts, and I almost wish you had shared them with me before I saw the movie, yeah. so you could kind of prime me to really take in his story from that perspective, because you are totally right. You're you're spot on, and it's but it is jarring that like you know even Buzz Lightyear who's in the movie more than the rest of them he doesn't have a huge arc he's got an arc but it's smaller and then all the other characters that are just in it a little bit but mm -hmm. I mean is that the movie's fault that it chose to focus I think have a, have a narrow focus I don't think so and there's a lot of new good fun characters as well so I just I like that I also tend to push back on the idea that the so-called villain Gabby Gabby is just a retread of other villains in the series. I would say that that is 
true of any sequel in that they are similar and there's only certain things you can do with a quote-unquote villain, but I like her arc yeah. and I like that there's a different um, take on it. If you want a redeemable villain, they're all going to be the same. And the villain in Toy Story 3 is not redeemable. No, and, you know, we've we've done... there. I know that... I, you know, I recognize that this is the fourth movie in this franchise and there's been TV specials and I know that they're, they're, they're fresh ideas, but I just... I think they didn't have to put as much creativity and thought into this they didn't i mean they didn't have to they didn't i don't feel like they they nailed it on this level with incredibles 2 or even finding dory which movies i think are pretty good sequels but this i think they just they care about toy story and i think that they didn't disappoint with it they they told the story they needed to tell without diminishing the entire series i thought so Mm -hmm. number seven for me is toy story 4 love it yep number seven for me Mm. is the farewell Oh, should I buzz you? No, because now I can talk about it. No, The Farewell wasn't on my list yet. Oh, I thought it was. Nope. I'm going to buzz you because The Eh, Farewell... eh, 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 eh. Save it and hold it for later in the list. The Farewell is higher on my list. Okay. So it's number seven on I'll fill in a a word for this little period of a a buzz. Um, I'm going to go with most confusing title of the year. (laughs) Shaft. The film starring Samuel L. Jackson that's a sequel or... Kind of, or a reboot to that other movie from 2000 called Shaft, which was a sequel slash reboot <laughs> slash spinoff to the original Shaft, because Richard Roundtree appears in all of these movies, and yet we just keep calling them Shaft. And I'm confused by the the logic of it. They're like, it doesn't matter. It's been 20 years, we'll just call it Shaft. We'll just call it Shaft. No one went and saw Shaft, except for me and, like, two other people yeah, only on opening people, day. Only three people are confused. And it's fine. It's not a very good movie, but Sam Jackson is, you know, having fun with it. Sure. But, uh, not a not a great movie, but confusing. Like, what's going on with these titles? Mm-hmm. It's how, who's going to know which mm-hmm. one is which? Fun award. I love it. Okay. That was my number seven was Toy Story 4. Your okay. number seven was The Farewell, so now we're at, what, six? Yeah. Man, we're cruising, aren't we? Yeah, we no, are. Not really. Um, no. <laughs> my number six is uh, a drama called Marriage Story. Okay. Not on your list. Good. I'm not buzzing you for it. I'll okay. tell you if it's in my top. It was not in my top 20. Oh, okay. Yeah. I This was something I watched prior to, before you saw it, um, and then you, you watched it, and we had a good discussion on it off air and also on the podcast about the movie. Um, this is uh, the movie where Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are married, and then they spend the movie getting divorced. It's from Noah Baumbach, a director I really like, writer-director I really uh, enjoy, who made like Francis Ha and Squid and the Whale, and he makes movies about flawed people. Yep. And they, and, and you know, I know there's a certain type of like New York type people. They're in the arts and stuff like that. So some of the relatability there, I I understand because I've heard some of the the the. The twatter of, of, of people online. They're like, I don't understand these guys. They're not relatable or whatever. And I get that. But they're also, you know, they're not meant to be perfect. I think that they uh, are flawed in, in fascinating ways and that they end up, you, it's very believable how they, A, have fallen in love and have also, like, fallen out of uh, a relationship, right? Um, the movie does, I think, focus more on Adam Driver, but the movie, but nevertheless, the, it's still very even handed in terms of uh, its portrayal of the characters and they. I don't know. I ultimately was kind of more on the side of a Scarlett Johansson character, despite her less screen time. But I mean, the point is that I think that you you can accept their their shortcomings and you can accept their what they're right about, and then see how it gets messed up in like a divorce proceeding, right? When mm-hmm. the lawyers get involved, right? Mm-hmm. And 
man, Scarlett Johansson, great year. She was great in this. She was great in Jojo Rabbit, which is an honorable mention movie for me. Um, she's great in the Avengers Endgame, I think, despite, you know, having 50 other people in the movie with her. So mm-hmm. this was uh, really great for her. And then Adam Driver, again, another guy who's just in a bunch of movies this year who, uh, top of his game. It's a funny movie, not too depressing, but also uh, just every scene is just so tight and it leads into each other. And there's just uh, the opening with the reading of the letters and the ending when the letter comes back. It's just very good. It's a very enjoyable, uh, pretty deeply felt uh, film. Marriage story. I I liked it. Mm -hmm. I would disagree with the deeply felt way you just described it. It scored very low for me on the strong emotion. Category. Oh, really? I I thought that what happens at the end is pretty, um, pretty power. Like the late, late, late scene uh, with That's the sun. That's true. And... I guess now, if I think back, you mm-hmm. know, I need a little memory jog as we have uh, established. Right. Yeah. That one scene, yes, but I feel like there, I felt separated. Like I was watching a play. Uh. Like a, there was a little bit of separation there, but it was very interesting to watch. I was intrigued the whole time. Yeah. So, well, I I think it's 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 really great. It's a great one of the the great movies of the year. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that you ended up watching. And we had a good discussion about it because you you watched the first half hour and you're like, I don't know if I could do this. And I was like, Well, I'll stick with it. I think you'll get some value out of it. And it sounds like you did. So yeah, that's what's good. My number six was Marriage Story from Noah Baumbach. Number six, Marriage Story. What's my number six? I don't know. Let's find out. My number six is Us. Eh, 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 eh. Oh, okay. Us will be appearing higher on my list. God, Jordan Peele's Us. Getting to the top of the list. Higher on my list. To talk about still. Number six is Us. Okay. Okay. All right. Number five, Tyler. My number five mm-hmm. is a movie that I've seen twice. So that is seven. Uh, actually, hold on. Huh? I might have screwed up my list. Hold on. Oh, okay. Oh, no. I, I did screw it up. Number six. I missed it up. It, it matters. The I was looking at my point system, but as I've established... There's matching numbers. So my number six, although it has the same points, uh, is actually A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. <laughs> so are we, what are we doing now? Are I, we talking about... I just joanned this, where she puts the wrong name tags on Christmas presents, and you're like, wait, who is this present for? You're supposed to laugh. So you're, I'm laughing. I just was <laughs> clearing my throat at the same time. So my number six... Is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Day in the neighborhood. which was my number nine, yeah. and we tabled it then so we can talk about it now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so why did you... This is the... It's not a not a biopic. It is a... Not. It is a story that Tom Hanks plays uh, Fred Rogers, a TV uh, children's host, but it is told from another character's perspective, and it's about this guy's problem. Matthew Rice is the actor who is... Yeah. He's a journalist who's tasked with... Uh, doing a story on him, and but he's got some issues going on. Yes, I think the re- the reason it's in my top ten is because it's not a biopic. Yeah, it's told in a, in in from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Almost Mister Rogers is a smaller character. He, in by the end of the movie, you you learn a few more details about him, mm-hmm. but really he's still a bit of a mystery. He, and I kind of I like that. There's people that have clapped a little bit about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was no, is nominated in the supporting actor category. It's like he's nominated. Like people who haven't seen the movie, they're like, "Well, he's nominated for the Mr. Rogers movies in the supporting actor. That's cheap." It's like, well, no, he is a supporting character in this movie. Yeah, it's not about him right, at isn't. all. Um, it's directed by Marielle Heller, who she made uh, "Can You Ever Forgive Me" with Melissa McCarthy last year. Uh, a movie that I wouldn't have thought would have been. Uh, I was so glad that I went and saw that in the theater because it's just also just really well done and mm-hmm. not what you think. Um, mm-hmm. And she's great in that movie. 
And I just love how everything about this is kind of uh, not what you'd expect. Because yeah. there, there, we just had a documentary, a pretty great one, was in my top ten last year. A beautiful, not a beautiful day neighborhood. Won't you be my neighbor? Yes. And that gives you lots of information about who Fred Rogers was and what he did. This is is about that, but it's about kind of what he means to people yeah, and how the he affect the impact, how the, he impacts people. Yeah, even the adults. Experience of him, right? The experience of him, mm-hmm. and the movie knows that because it opens with him, right? What he's doing. He's walk. Tom Hanks comes in. He's on the set of the show. He's talking to the camera, but then it like shifts into something else. It it introduces this other character who's having some dad issues. And listen, uh, movies about people with daddy issues. I mean, we've got a lot of those, right? But I there's a lot of us that have dad issues, including a movie that's a common tale. An honorable mention for me this year was also very good, despite that. It was Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. Oh, you know what's funny? I was just talking to someone at work about this, and I was like, I haven't seen it, and he's like. Well, he doesn't see very many movies, and he's like, well, it's definitely a movie that's, like, about daddy issues. Yeah, it is. So it's funny <laughs> that you have made that But comment. again, that – and it looks just like this. It's elevated by the craft, and sure. I think that there's insightful things to say because of how it goes about doing that. And Ad Astra's crazy for a lot of reasons. But anyway, but A Beautiful Day in Neighborhood, I mean, it 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 just filters the story. And it, Matthew Rice is so good and very underrated. He's so good in he this anchors movie. this thing right and chris cooper's in there playing this dad and also it's just great and then the way that tom hanks i mean part part of it is seems obvious right tom hanks fred rogers right even though they don't look like or anything like that but because of the way that this character is being portrayed it makes sense because it's mm-hmm. like there's this dad figure to a lot of us already mm-hmm. and he's able to do that in these scenes that matter right about what fred rogers does and impacts this journalist's life right and I, I mean, there's just every every minute with him on screen is magnetic. He does the thing in that diner scene where mm-hmm. they stop for a minute and they think about the people that have helped them or cared for them, and he he looks at the in peers through the camera. He's looking at you, the audience, for like a minute of silence. Yeah, it's an incredible movie. I just Mary Heller fourth wall shatters it. It's I just so have good. a lot of respect for because it's based on this article and I read the it's article. Inspired by the article. And it and the article it is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Like but they took that as inspiration to make this mm-hmm. movie and I, I, I just and they changed the name of the journalist I correctly because yeah. it does change that story. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I wish it. I, I. It's gotten well received obviously because Tom Hanks has been recognized, but I think it's much better than that singular performance. Agreed with all those smart things that you said. And you liked it a little bit more than me, so there you go. <laughs> what I really liked about it is that it leaves you remembering that, like, you you feel special and loved. And it's not, like, a thing that we get to talk about very often of being, like, vulnerable and, like, you're special and you're loved and you're important and feelings are okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a movie that just, like, sits in that and I like it. And this is part of our – this is why it's a list of our favorite movies because, like, Toy Story 4 and – Mr. Rogers, these things are important to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these, these, Mr. Rogers, I remember growing up with, mm-hmm. and I have, there's just that, I mean, there's, this movie made me cry for like an hour. The documentary made me cry for pretty much the whole thing. I mean, yeah. it's just like one of those things that is just touches a nerve for me. So it's on my top 10. It's on your top 10. Yours is a little bit higher though, because you liked it more number apparently. Six. My number five. Your number five. I did spoil it slightly by saying that I've watched it twice. And I spent seven hours with it. It is The Irishman from Martin Scorsese. Oh, The Irishman. The Irishman. I watched it, and then I spent, like, when it came out Thanksgiving, I spent a good month just trying to convince you to watch it. You sure did, and I was like, it's what? 
How long? <laughs> Fuck no. So then you finally said you started it at like for a half hour. And I started like, sitting in the sauna, which is 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, I watched the first 30 so then minutes. I, I, uh, yeah. So then you came home and then we watched it and I got to sit through the whole thing with you. And I just, oh God, it's just so well made. It is Martin Scorsese. It's three and a half hours, but I don't think it drags. I think it is enthralling the whole way through to me. I just, it doesn't feel long to me. It's just something, I mean, if you watch a series that you're like binging on, it just feels like like it just feels like it flows together really well. Like the first hour flows right into the second hour, no problem. Into the third hour, and I think after the the uh, award, the lunch, the dinner, the the Robert De Niro's character gets like a, a, a awards dinner. From that point to the end, it's just brilliant. It's just a brilliant movie from that point on, especially. I don't want to come off like a dummy, so I'm just gonna be like, yeah. Why I'm you didn't, you didn't care you. for it? I, thought it was... I scored it very low on memorable because even now, as you're talking about, it, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." But I only watched it like a week ago. I should probably remember more of it. That's mm-hmm. not a good sign. I don't. I don't ever want to watch it again. I watch it again right now. That's a that's a half a day investment. I don't want to make. It's so well made, and I, I don't think it serves a bigger purpose at all. I think that it is about. A lot of oh, things. Let's hear. What's it about, Tyler? So, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't be an asshole. For one, I you know Martin Scorsese has made gangster movies before, notably Goodfellas, right? And this is kind of a little bit of an answer to that. Like, this is what this life really is. Because I think you could watch Goodfellas and be like wrapped up in like the filmmaking of the glamour Goodfellas. of it. And it's just it's just Martin Scorsese. That was him at the top of his game. And this feels like he's still that master of craft. But he's telling a more thoughtful story of like this 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 life leads to nothing. It leads to pain or nothing. You have no nothing to share with anybody, as evidenced by just every time a character appears in the movie and the movie stops to freeze frame the way that they viciously died later or in life. Are mostly murdered. Mostly murdered, right? Yeah. Um. So I just think that that is that in itself, and then. The last hour, I think, especially is about more than mob life. I think it is about um, just aging. And I, Martin Scorsese is trying to address some things about getting old and not having those connections and not having the things that you need to have a connected life. And the way that this character, especially, just is almost incapable of, of doing things. I mean, the last hour, especially, he's just talking about like regret and all this other stuff, and he doesn't. He's like, I, I guess I regret these things, but I don't I don't feel regret. I don't feel emotional about it. I don't feel bad about it. The only time you do see him feel bad is when he makes this phone call and he just can't do it. And it's uh, uh, someone who, you know, appreciates Robert De Niro watching him actually give a actually shit in a movie. Actually fucking show up and act. Is a, you know, I thought is just enthralling. Joe Pesci is incredible in this movie. He was very good. I will give you that. But low, you know, low register, not the loud mouth that we're used to seeing Joe Pesci play and scary in all the right ways. Al Pacino is trying but you know, big. He's always he's often big, right? But he's when he's big and trying and it, it's for a purpose of playing Jimmy Hoffa, I think that that is the perfect kind of casting, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, that awards banquet too is just like the um the the way that the, it is what it is gets uh passed along from character to character. You need to tell them it is what it is. And the way that that just goes through that is just I think uh 
it's just brilliantly made. I don't know. It's just bobbles my mind that you didn't find it memorable. It's crazy to me because it's so I mean, good. As you're talking about, it, I'm like, yeah, that was really good. It's it's really good. So you're right. I mean, it is it's good. It deserves to be up there. It's it's yeah, it's great. I wish I had seen it in a theater, but I'm happy that it's just available to watch. Yeah, at home anytime I want. Excellent. Love so it. that was your number five, The Irishman. The Irishman, one of the, I think the objectively one of the objective best movies of the year for okay. sure. I hear you. The Irishman. Okay. But I liked these other ones a little bit more. So there you go. Spoiler: I already said it. My number five is Us. Well, you're still gonna have to table it because it's still higher on my list. Okay. <laughs> so oh you're gonna my. have to wait to talk about Jordan Peele's horror movie Us. But sure. we can do an award. Okay, let's hear what an we award. got here. Oh, T Dub um, award. A T Dub award, so we called him. Because mm-hmm. uh, your name is Tyler Wilson. T-W, T-Dub. When I was thinking about when I had developed this for print a few years ago, I was like, what's the douchiest name for an award? And mm-hmm. I came up with T Dub awards. It's pretty Love good. Love it. T Dub. So I did, because we're talking about good acting, I'm going to do best scenery chewing in a movie. Do you know what I mean by scenery chewing? They're really just, they're doing it. Like Al Pacino is scenery chewing a lot, mm-hmm. right? But he's not my winner here. My winner is Willem Dafoe in an honorable mention movie. The Lighthouse. I did not see it. Looked good and interesting. Though. Black and white. Uh, him and Robert Pattinson are uh, old seafaring uh, lighthouse keepers, and they are all talking the old vernacular. It's from Robert Eggers, who made uh, The Witch, which is a great movie as so well. So good, so good. And they go insane on this uh, this rock, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Willem Dafoe, oh my god, it's just a spectacular uh, performance. Chewing uh, the scene. To, to just, I mean, anytime you see Willem, it's like when he played the Green Goblin, only like amped to a thousand. And that's saying something, because he's fucking amped in playing the Green yes. Goblin. Yes, he was. Oh, it is spectacular. He lays, there's one particular moment where he just lays into Robert Pattinson because he gets offended by something he says. Uh, about his food, and it's just oh my god! It's just this lengthy, just oh, if you diatribe. love it so much, why don't you run off for it? Okay, this well, happened in the happens a lot. There's a lot of masturbation in the lighthouse. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I said that. I'm hilarious. It's very good. You should watch it. It just missed my top ten as a movie, but Willem Dafoe, best scenery chewing of 2019, goes to him. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Mm-hmm. What are we at? We're at number f- four. four. Is it my number four? It's my number four. You just, well, oh, no. It's your number four. Okay. Because you've been Your skipping. award was confusing me. Sorry. My number four. Yes. Let's talk about it. Well, we talked about it for an hour plus Oh, just on our last episode. Oh, buddy. It's Little Women from Greta Gerwig. Great. We'll move on to my number four. If you'd like to hear more about <laughs> Little Women and Tyler's opinion about it, go back to episode 66. Six. Little Women is great. Uh, I don't have an affinity or care about Little Women, really, uh, to the point we went and saw this, and I was like, okay, I hear it's good, I want to watch it because I hear it's good, I like sure. Greta Gerwig, and I just, I love the structure of it, it takes the story of these girls when they were living together in their own house, and then what happens to them later in life when they're not together, and then she kind of mixes the story together a little bit, and so scenes are kind of folding on each other. But I don't I, that I don't find confusing at all. Um, no, because you're you're a grown adult who can like pay attention. Well, there's color there's things. color coding yes. happening. I mean, there's there's ways to keep track. Uh, anyway, this was my number twelve movie. Really, it was up there. It was up. There. And the, and and again, you go back and listen to a very good episode because we talked about ninety four Little Women and the new yeah. movie, and we talked about your whole experience of watching the new one and going from. Uh, Little Women too. That's pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm convincible. 
If you provide evidence and remind me, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I love how uh, the ending is kind of modernized, and I know a lot of people maybe don't love that if they are purists to the book, but I just love that it nobody is Nobody this... doesn't love that. No, I Nobody's saying that. I just, I really like, like, adding, I, the whole thing feels more modern. The way that the girls talk, the sisters have an energy about them, even when they're talking on top of each other, it just mm-hmm. feels like siblings, but it's never annoying. It's always just this great energy and you feel the love and all other stuff and and when they really are at each other too it works and when the little sister's being a little bitch she and that's florence Pugh, who had a great year from this and yeah. a mid movie that was on my top 10 that we had a table midsummer midsummer okay fine but if you keep i'm gonna keep misspelling it if you keep making me say it that I way i don't care i don't okay. like you saying midsummer so she's stupid it's fun to do though is uh, it? so she's really good sir sharonan is but great she's still an annoying little sister oh yeah she burns the fucking manuscript she deserves to be shit on for a long time. Shit on? Like, literally shit on? She's a, just a shitty little sister. You think Timothy Chalamet is into that kind of thing? Tyler Wilson. <laughs> Tyler Wilson. So, it's great. Uh, I I just I loved watching the, in the theater. Laura Dern is in this great... She, wait, she was in Marriage Story. She's going to win her Oscar for Marriage Story. She's very good in Marriage Story, but I loved her even more in Little Women, because she's just uh, Yeah, the, the moments she shares with uh, Joe are the best. So I just yeah. love Little Women. Yeah, go. We have a whole podcast basically on that movie. Plus, we talk about the 94 one too, but we mostly sure it was an excuse to talk about the other one. So We sure do. My number four, mm-hmm. we've talked about on a previous episode. Okay. Because we've talked about all of these on a previous episode because we watched them all this year. Yeah. We, anyway. Yep. Was Mark Ruffalo's Dark Waters. Okay. Spoiler, throw out your Teflon pants. Basically. <laughs> I... I was shocked that this movie was in my top ten, but when I go through my point system... Yeah, okay. It's just really high up there. It's... Okay. It's basically in the top scoring, but uh, it gets... Pr- I mean, it's very memorable. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, I, I think I scored it down... The reason it's not number one, basically, mm-hmm. is because I, I don't necessarily want to watch it again. Okay. Um, But it did evoke strong emotions. I felt stressed out. I felt... Also, at points in this movie, I felt frustrated that it felt slow, but I feel like the movie makers wanted you to feel that because this character is going through this, like, court and corporation. And it takes like, years. It's, it's fucking years. So it's and like, it's weighing on Mark Ruffalo's yes, character. Yes, and I feel as it's weighing on him, it's weighing on me right. and the audience because I'm like, let's get this fucking going. Like, right. I'm irritated. Right. But I think that is a good emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I left that movie with some a lot to think about and mm-hmm. frustration. Um, what did you think? I really liked it. I think Mark Ruffalo is good in everything and so maybe good. this movie doesn't work as well if he's not in it, if he's someone that's not kind of committing to that. I think that because you do have to feel that time on him, the weariness. He's already has anxiety issues already. Mm-hmm. He's dealing with all of these things and he just kind of gets wrapped into this and mm-hmm. he can't let go of it. And it's a, it's a subtle thing to pull off and I think he does really well. And I think mm-hmm. the movie has a lot to say and it's very well made. It, it It's not a... I think people... It's been forgotten because I don't think it was a huge box office thing or anything, but... It's it's just a really well crafted. It's it's more straightforward, I guess, than a lot of movies that are on this list. But um, but good, strong. Yeah, I didn't I think... love. I love Anne Hathaway. I wish she had more to do in the movie. Is my only real criticism. A lot of this movie takes place in like the nineties, and I feel like even I feel like she was not utilized in the way that women were not utilized <laughs> in the nineties. All right. <laughs> um, 
But I think movies like this are super important. We kind of need indie filmmakers and and celebrities who are willing to like. Take oh, Mark Ruffalo is all on board with this. Rise these issues, yeah. and this is how you you change people's minds is yep. through story. This kind of story that's inspired by truth. So. I like Boom. it. Boom. Number four. It's a good movie. It's Dark not Waters. on my list, but it's good. I'll give you a quick award. Okay. Best homage to Back to the Future 2 this year. Oh. Was Happy Death Day to You, a movie that we saw in theaters. That's pretty solid. It was very fun to watch. Yeah. And it, it's a whole... It's it's playing on the fact that it's like a Groundhog Day type thing, only this movie is leaning hard on the Back to the Future 2 references. So. Yes. Super fun to watch. Anyway. Yes. And uh, that gal who's the main. Gal. I love her. I know. Her name she's escapes me at the moment. Good I wish she was in more. Yeah, she's got, she's good. I like watching her. Um. Okay. Number three for you. Oh, I'm gonna go number three. Yeah. All right. Number three for me mm-hmm. is a movie I think you already mentioned called The Farewell. Yes. So I had The Farewell as what number seven. Number seven. The Farewell. Uh, this I've seen it twice. We watched it together uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe. I'm really glad that we were able to get you to see this. It's Lulu Wang, uh, Lulu Wong's movie about Aquafina is in America. She uh, is an art student. She's got to go back. Her family has not told their beloved grandmother that she's sick and dying of cancer. This is a cultural thing over in China. And um, basically, they, the movie is her and the family weighing this decision. They they fake this wedding, or they fabricate, not fabricate, but they rush this poor guy and his girlfriend of six months into a Three wedding. Three months. Three months. They lie about yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's just, Aquafina's really good uh, in a dramatic role. She's amazing. And I think I've said this last time we were talking about Farewell. Mm-hmm. If you really want to know about her acting skill, go watch Jumanji. Oh, yeah. Where or- she plays... Uh, Danny DeVito, basically. She plays an avatar of Danny DeVito in yes. that, yeah. And she's uh, she's great. And she's and a great all, comedic and, actress, but she's so good in this. Always Be My Maybe. So these are three. She's in Always Be My Maybe? Is it? Yes. No, that's uh, the lead? No, who are you talking about? Aquafina. Aquafina is not in Always Be My Maybe. What movie am I talking about? She's in Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. She's like the friend in Crazy Rich yeah. Asians. And she's, she's in, in Ocean's 8. Okay. She's your racist. <laughs> Or, you know, I just forget movies. I know. You're it's okay. such a dick. Anyway, three very different roles. So, yeah. Girls Got Range. And very well, she is good. I love, first of all, her relationship with the grandmother in this is just really strong. I love the scene where their family's eating dinner and they're talking about the cultural differences between America and where they are sitting and kind of the opportunity and the changes that they have, you know, the lifestyle that they live. I love the wedding sequence where there it's just this long line of people giving these awkward speeches and mm-hmm. singing karaoke and playing these drinking games. They go to the cemetery to honor the grandfather and this is a long drawn out. It's a very funny film but it's just got all of these it's it's a very specific culture thing. It's something in America that we would not I and mean, we we literally can't do this. You mm-hmm. it's, it's laws against this sort of thing. Yeah, like you can't like a patient's going to be told by her doctor but sick. here's a movie where it's like, well, <laughs> like this not like this is not necessary. Like there's, I could see this not being the worst thing. You know what I mean? And and then you, when you start having that perspective, and I think the characters start having that perspective, that makes it um, all the more fascinating. It's really well made because the whole point is they don't want they believe that if they tell an older person that they're dying, that they'll die sooner because the, of the fear of death. And right. that is not an untrue thing. I mean, studies show that, like, if if you are told you're going to die, you are more likely to die. Yeah. So 
there's a there's a thing at the near the end um, that is very personal to me. There's a sh- image. There's a shot. There's a s- short scene. Her and her family are headed back to the airport. They're getting in the car. They're driving away from the grandma. The grandma's there saying goodbye. Yeah, saying farewell. She's waving. She's kind of chasing just, after the car. And I think a lot of people probably have this kind of relate this emotion or connection or memory. But my grandma Rosemary. When we would leave, when we visited her in Wisconsin, she would chase us. We would drive away, and she'd just be chasing us, running down the street, waving and crying. And mm-hmm. so, to me, that was just a very she'd like hold your car. She'd keep her hand on your car. Yeah. You're backing up, and you're just like, "Okay, Grandma Rose, I don't want to run you over." But and so, then she just you'd always look in your rearview mirror, and there she is, just waving. It's and just crying. a visceral uh, experience for me. That is, it, yeah, it's the thing that I will remember most of movies images this year is that seeing that in the theater, seeing it again when we watched it, and just forever thinking about it. So very personal. It's really good. It's a movie that was nominated for zero Academy Awards, um, which is You're just racist. completely fucking ridiculous because the it should have been a screenplay nomination, Aquafina, the grandma. I mean, anything, anything. It's ridiculous. Eight, the studio. I don't know. What's the deal with this? A24. They make a, most of the great movies and I then they like get the never big, get nominated. The big studios are like, fuck the A24. They let Netflix into the game and then A24 is like, uh, not like Midsommar we already mentioned and all this other stuff. So yeah. anyway, The Farewell, so good. I'm going to give you another award. Oh, yay, fun. Because I got a lot and we didn't really talk about it. You know, we got to get these in. Uh, I'm saying, uh, let's see. Oh, 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 so bad you have to see it to believe it? So many movies could be that. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. It's called Serenity with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a about. movie about fishing. Kind of. But I love those two people. Yeah. It's a movie about fishing. And then it's not about fishing. It's about the craziest thing you can think of in terms of a plot twist. Catfishing? N- nope. There's... Oh. Anyway, it's uh, it's really bad. But it is bad in a very fascinating, very expensive-looking way. Oh, weird. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is naked, or, you know, he's got, not, he's got a shirt off most of the movie, and he's all wet. So there you Ooh, go. Okay. That alone right there will get I'm you in there. I'm to win it. But what a, what a plot twist. Who thought of this thing and then let it go play out for a full hour is a, is a madman. But there you go. Thank you. Okay, that's Serenity on... So bad, you have to see it to believe it. I award. saw a movie called Serenity. Yeah, that was about that TV show. It's yeah. pretty good, but different. Okay. Are we at your three? No, we're at your three. I just did my three. Was farewell. Oh, my three is um, the tribute to the first song in the beginning of our episode, "Last Black Man in San Francisco." This is crazy to me because the first time I saw this list, this was not on your list. <laughs> It was not on my list initially. And then I thought about it and I was like, fuck, that movie's good. So it is about these two friends in San Francisco. One of them uh, has this house that his family lived in and he kind of starts squatting in it, I guess, is the basic gist of the movie. He kind of comes to become a caretaker of it. And there's a lot of things that are going on. It's about this friendship. It's about kind of the legacy of your family. And it's about the gentrification of uh, San Francisco and how that's changed. And Joe Talbot, the director and the writer who's in the movie, uh, Jimmy fails. They wrote a short film kind of about this, which is kind of what the beginning of the movie sort of is a little bit. It's just, it's like a debut feature. It's so well made. It's a, it, by the way, it's in my honorable mention, but it's it should be in your top 10. Cause it's really fucking good. I was, well, I was, we listened to the song today. I watched the opening today and I was like, did I make a mistake? What could you I take did. out to put it in my top you 10? I had a hard mistake. time. Cause there's 
so much going on in this movie. Yeah, it's good. There's gentrification. There's losing your home. There's uh, a, having a best friend and mm-hmm. being vulnerable with that best friend. Um, there's the character, um, let's see, I wrote his name, Coffee, mm-hmm. who's like the bad, like the bad guy, but not really the bad guy, but. You know, do you remember the? Well, there's character? these guys. Well, there's there's the this there's this other group of people too in the movie, and it, yes. it, it and you don't think that there's a connection, but there is because the, they're, they're this is their neighborhood. These are yeah. these, these their people, and then right? There's someone who gets murdered, right? So, I think that that kind of explores like there's so many good scenes with those characters where it's like these guys are playing tough tough men who are just you know they're just badasses but then they're they're just wearing a mask they're just like regular normal people who have their own shit and their own problems and there's so much going on in this movie it's so good it's got really good music mm-hmm. it's got good cinematography um the opening scene i think it, it'll hook you on and wanting to watch it you can go watch just the opening scene online and you'll run over to like amazon prime i think is where it is you can just watch it yes so good it's got one of the best lines you don't get to hate san francisco unless you love it it's great yeah that's that really whole good concept stuff. of like you know what? that's what yeah, the whole movie's about right you don't yeah. get shit on this unless you you love it and you've grown up with it and you know it yeah i really like that and i think it so it's very specifically about san francisco but it also is kind of about where we all grow up a little bit, I think, a little yes, bit. Yes, I think it's a... It's and that's very different, right? Because not every town goes through the change that San Francisco's gone through. But, uh, you know, some of these things happen. And then I, it's a lot of there's a lot of relatability there, even if you're, like, not a big city person or you've never had this specific experience. It feels genuine. It feels relatable. Mm-hmm. So... It's just a very grown-up movie. Very artsy. <laughs> it's very grown-up. That's why well, I, I like it. We saw this together in the theater in the summer. Why are you laughing at me? It it's just a very grown-up movie. It, it's a very... Well, like not the, like Dora. No. Well, like, the end of it is, like, this whole movie is about him trying to get into this home and, and reconnect and mm-hmm. and create something. But at the end, it's like, okay, you were fighting for this, but at some point, you got to kind of, like, let it go and move on with your life. Right. That's, that's some adult grown-up things. That's some grown-up thoughts. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I love it. It's a really good movie. It, in another alternate timeline, it's in my high on my top ten list. It just should be in your. Top I don't want to kick anything out. That's the issue. You know what I mean? It's already like, it's already there. Uh, before I get to two, let's do another award. Ooh, okay. Uh, the Can You Believe It came out in 2019 award mm. goes to a movie that we saw pretty much a year ago now. A year ago, called Glass, the much anticipated. Know. Follow up to Split and Unbreakable. We did a whole podcast. Feels like that came out on that years ago. and Unbreakable. It felt like it came out five years ago. Yeah, and we were both we both kind of liked it. <laughs> like it wasn't like great, but it, we thought it was all right. Yeah, for what it was, it's was a mess, but it was also yeah. like kind of fun, right? Yeah, a year ago, it, but it came out. It, it's part of this conversation. Yeah, go listen to our Unbreakable episode and listen to us talk about it. I'm it's, sure if I was to talk about it right now, it wouldn't match anything that I said in that episode. The other award, I'll go to another one real quick. The Somehow Escaped being the best live action Disney movie of the year. Can you, If you can believe it. Well, what do we got to pick from? Live action Disney movie. Live action animated, a uh, live action remake of a Disney cartoon. Jesus, okay. This one escaped as being the best one by a long shot. Dumbo. Dumbo is not a great movie, but it's mm-hmm. not bad. Oh, I have Unlike, 
The Lion King and Aladdin, which are fucking terrible. Didn't you rent this and yeah, I watched didn't it with the kids? It? You, I don't know. Yeah, you must not have sat with us and watched it. No, because you watch it during the day when I'm a fucking work. We watched it on the weekend and you're a dick. <laughs> Where was I? I don't know. You're like, I don't want to watch Dumbo. I think you actually sat and watched this. It's not great. I didn't. You probably forgot. I it. love Dumbo, the old one. Of course I would sit down. I wanted to watch this. You watched it without me. You're such a dick. I'm pretty sure you had an option to watch it. No, I didn't. Pretty sure you did. I hate you so much sometimes. Now I can't watch it because you rented it. It'll be on Disney Plus if it's not already. It probably uh, is on Disney Plus already. Probably right. is. Anyway, it's not great. All right. I'm just saying. I just wanted to put throw some more shade at the Lion King and Aladdin because those movies are bullshit. Those movies suck. My number two was on your list at number five or six. I don't know. What is it? Us from Jordan oh, Peele. Oh, yes. It was on my list as number five. Okay. My number two. Okay. Is Us from Jordan Peele. This came out also a very long time ago. Uh, in March. Very long time ago. But if I had to think about just like pure movie going experiences this year, the joy and like the tension and the thrills of watching Us on the big screen was was great. It was just an experience. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that after you watch it on the big screen, you leave and you're still thinking about it mm -hmm. and you're talking about it and you're thinking about it and you're asking questions and it's exciting. That's a sign of a It's really an original movie. story. Jordan Peele, who made Get Out. I think this is a bigger, more ambitious movie than Get Out. Get Out has a perfect screenplay, and it won an Oscar for being a perfect screenplay, and it's great, and I love it, right? Yep. This movie's more ambitious, though, and maybe it's not it as airtight, because I think there's some... It op it leaves a lot to for you to either figure out or kind of fill in for yourself. Yeah. And I think that that can lead to some frustration for people, but... Yeah. Especially people like me. I'm like a questioner. I want to know all the information. But I like that it just kind of leaves these things. And it's for a very specific purpose. Because I think Jordan Peele had a very... He had something to say about kind of... Because this is a movie about doppelgangers, right? There are mm -hmm. people from below that are tethered to the people above. And it's about a family led by Lupita Nyong'o in the best performance of the year. It's a double performance. And these people from below rise up to take over, but it's following this family. And it is about, I think, uh, you could read a lot of interpretations. A and lot a lot of, of people wrote about a lot of things from just various little bits from the movie. But the conversation, I think, is just this idea of, like, for those that succeed and those who do well, there are people that are hurt. Or there are people that are not doing well, right? And a lot of the movies we've... I think we've... There's another movie we haven't talked about yet, but... Uh, a lot of movies, I think that's just a very fascinating idea. And the way that, that there's a big idea being explored, I think also about race, obviously, too. But the way that's being explored through the lens of this horror movie, mm -hmm. where there's like a very legitimate threat happening to this family, and it's like a pure thrill ride throughout. Mm -hmm. But also this is being, you know, this is going on. Not to mention, it's just because it's Jordan Peele, really funny. Like, mm -hmm. funny throughout. Oh, yeah. Breaking tension wherever it goes. And God, Lupita Nyong'o in this movie. I, so I did rewatch this because for a while it was my number one all year. Um, and God, she's so good because she's playing. I mean, she gets a lot of love for playing the, the the underground person. She's like, she can talk kind of. And it's this creepy ass voice. Yeah. And it's brilliant. But she's so good as the lead, mm -hmm. the main character. Because what we learn about her and what her experience was, what happens in that first opening sequence of this it just just there's it textures the whole thing and then it and then there's a point where it also gets retextualized right and she's just she's this strong central like commanding figure as a she's the she's like 
Her husband is Winston Duke. Is a big giant. He's giant. Mm-hmm. He's a big giant guy, right? But he's not the he's not the anchor of the family. No, she is, yeah. and she's the one who has to keep them safe and keep them alive. Yep. And the way that that plays out, I think, is just brilliant. And I loved what this movie was. Uh, it got me to think about, but also just the experience of watching it. I just was. It's it's really good. <laughs> it's just really I, good. I love how it's. It fills two whole needs. It's a really good surface level thriller horror flick mm-hmm. with ramping up the tension and releasing it with comedy. And that, just at that level, really, really good. Mm-hmm. But then it's just, it's just so much smarter and just got so much symbolism and, th- and so many questions and twists and relevant issues without being like, this is a movie about this. I and I kind of that's what I, I mean. I get out, get out has a very specific message, uh, and there's a lot of layers to that message, right? And it, that's really strong. But what I like about this, and I think I, again, I think that this is more of a subjective thing. Maybe you don't like some people. Maybe don't like the open endedness, or like if it doesn't have a clear vision. But to me, I think it's a clear vision of like getting people to have the, the conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, be talking about it. But not, but not, but I don't think it's cheating either. I, I think he does have these answers, and I think that you can listen to what he said about the movie, and you can pretty much decipher what you think. And yeah, some of the leaps in logic I don't think ultimately matter to what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between plot holes and like narrative holes, and I think that and gaps right purposeful narrative gaps mm-hmm. like there is a withholding of information because it's not important for you to understand what the movie's about mm-hmm. right if you get logged on on and you know the problem is you you know, some people inevitably some can't some people can't and that's okay right they can't let go of those things but i think the intention is you don't want to get bogged down like why are the bunnies there or blah 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 or this yeah. and that because then it, it steers away from what kind and of it becomes the overall a message boring right? movie that's like First this happened, and then this happened, and then this, and then you get a boring, shitty movie. Plus, I mean, it's a big swing. Like, the concept of the movie is so big that, I mean, there was no way... I don't know, once you kind of learn what it's about, you could ever, like, logistically explain what's going on in the first place. Because it's no, such it a would, big would, swing, right? It would take away the mystery and the magic of it. And I like where it, it leaves. And it's just so artfully done. The music in it is incredible. And this is another uh, movie that has zero Oscar nominations. The most egregious being Lupita Nyong'o, who is just, she's, it's the best performance of the year. I don't get it. I just don't yeah, get she's it. playing two characters. She had some other precursor awards. I don't understand how she gets left off the list. Because she is... Just male, female. It is the best performance of the year. Agreed. It just is, and and uh, because it's just it's nuanced in a lot of different ways, and and then the way you watch it the first time, and then the way it ends, when you watch it the second time, her performance is even better because yes. you know some other information about all of this going on, yes. both on both sides, and you're just like, God, she's good. She is nailing it. It's just amazing, yeah. and it's just it's just layer upon layer of like. Just brilliant. She's an incredible actress. I wish she was in all the movies. That's how good she is in Us. It's my number two. It was my number one for a long time, but it's my number two. What's your number two? My number two was on your list. Oh, it was? It is Midsummer. Oh, good. Okay. I thought for a while, if I had to guess, well, I know, well, it's interesting. I think we both have the same movie at number one now, but... Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Um... If before I knew that was going to happen, uh, I would have guessed that Midsummer would have been your favorite movie of the year. It almost was, so it did have the same score as, actually, my top four movies have the same score. Okay. But at the end of the day, and I I actually put a lot of thought into this, Mm -hmm. I, I could have marked it down 
I think I did end up marking it down a little bit for having like a bigger purpose. So mm. Midsummer, it's got a lot going on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just mm, I don't know. You could argue it's in my top ten. It was my number uh, eight, and I would argue that it does have a lot to say about relationships about Let's hear and toxic so relationships. If you haven't seen Midsummer, it is about it. a couple. Spoiler. Florence Pugh uh, plays a woman who's had some trauma in her life, some pretty significant trauma at the beginning of the movie. She's got a boyfriend. Uh, they go to this Swedish ancient – this first time in 90 years of a festival with some other college students, right? And mm-hmm. Called Midsummer. It's fucking – shit goes down, right? Mm-hmm. And it, but it, it doesn't go down for a while because mm-hmm. it's like a two-and-a-half-hour movie. There's a director's cut that I have not watched that's like three hours because it's just this – and it, it's a horror movie. That plays out almost entirely in broad daylight. There's not like jump scares, but it's very horrific. And there are terrible things that happen. But at the center of the movie, it is this relationship, right? Uh, A relationship that is basically only in existence at the start of the film because she went through this trauma, right? Like he wanted to break up with her before this happened. But then it's like... And then it's like... It's like when someone has something terrible happen, you can't fucking dump them then. That's awful. And it's just this... The him being a he's he he wants to be the image of a good guy despite not being a very good guy, right? Yeah. And it's about like what happens when a relationship just is not right for each other, not yeah. right. They're not meant to be. Together. And when someone is being kind of like dismissive and horrible, but you're not really realizing that. Um, and then framed around this, just just horrific, but also relevant the way that it treats relationships, sex. Uh, aging, all these things that happen at the festival that kind of relate to their relationship uh, is, it's all, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. And it, I think it would, there was more to add on a second viewing and all that, but it's also just really unnerving and scary and just fucked up. Oh, strong emotions with this one. From Hereditary director Ari Aster, which I think was that, did that end up on your top 10 list last year? Was I can't remember. Very scary movie, but also very, very disturbing. unnerving. Disturbing. A movie that I really, really liked until about the last half hour, and yeah. I was like not as great on it, but this is just like such a big, Swing. The cinematography is very uh, unusual and weird, and there's like people are on drugs, and then the camera goes on drugs with you while you're on drugs with them in a way that's not like a lot of movies that depict people being on drugs is a little obnoxious. Yeah, it's like the same. This does it a little bit differently, and it makes you feel like like did I just see that or did I not see that? It's kind of like there's some moments where it's a little more subtle, and you're like, well, what the fuck's going on with the frame? And it's just very un- unsettling and unnerving. And then, God, the ending. And what I love is, like, the, the conversation about the movie, about, like, what I love about, um, I'm not going to spoil the end-end, but the way that people talk about, like, oh, what? I feel bad for so-and-so and so-and-so. And then, like, people getting mad about, like, in relationships. People being mad about that or being like, oh, she's right or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. That just tells you how much this movie is about much more than uh, – because, yeah, it's, it's being told on a, a – aggressive excessive scale but mm-hmm. it is still a very much about them and this relationship even though some crazy shit's happening to influence it and it's just viscerally just exciting and uh crazy yeah i think one of the things i really loved about it was her need 
for empathy mm. and like how she really this character just really needs her boyfriend to fucking get her to mm. get that like hey i understand that like after a year you're still not like feeling like yourself like i get it and i see you and then i feel like in in midsummer in this this village or tribe of people she gets that and it's a really fucking fucked up creepy way but like there's scenes where like they're they're all like if someone dies they're all like moaning together or right. if someone's suffering like everyone's like oh like whereas her boyfriend together. is very like subdued and like it's all internal he just like shuts it down yeah. or it doesn't feel like anything right yeah. whereas she has gone through this horrible trauma yeah and feels not just guilt about it but just she's it's raw still it's very raw and i think that i think that that's an an you know there's yeah empathy that's a theme of this movie it's uh it's it's in pretty... addition to being fucking horrific it, yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely a horror movie uh it's definitely hard to even as we're sitting here it's hard to recommend to people because you like it's almost like if i just think about my dad i'm just I know, like i think about he'll read my top or... 10 list and it's just like oh yeah you like this movie i like can you know he liked ford river Ferrari, which is very good it's in my honorable mentions but i know like that's kind of his movie whereas like mid midsummer is like i was like i don't think like, you should watch what this. the fuck was that what's wrong with you right and it's just like okay well you know <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, if you're into some weird shit. And you know what? It's one of those movies where, hey, people, stop fucking complaining that there's no original content out there. because And this came out in theaters pretty wide, and, and people went and saw it. Not, yeah. not a ton, but this it was... This is not a sequel. This is no, not a it's remake. A big, it's, this is a fucking movie that's it's a original. Bold, it's bold. It's, it's like... Yeah. It, it's, it's two and a half hours, and... I think that you can maybe think that it feels like when when a horror movie is that long, maybe you think it's maybe unwielding. It doesn't ever feel unwielding. No, I didn't. It, it feels like he's feel in like control of the thing pretty significantly. Like every maybe you maybe you don't agree with the the swing he takes, but he like he's taken that swing, and it's yeah. his very. There's a lot of confidence behind the camera, which I really admire. Same with I think Jordan Peele's a great example of that too. There's just I love that confidence. Like it's just. They know what their movie they're telling, and even if like, and they don't, and then it's to to a point where it's like, well, either get on board or you don't have to like it. That's fine. Go mm -hmm. watch something else. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's a big. Uh, I, I just, yeah, it's a good movie. It's on my top ten. And I think in our our age of uh, people going to like church less often, I think the topic of like a religiousy group is mm. also like a. Uh, that's also unsettling, right? Where there's these, but it, I think it brings up the importance of rituals and community, and it's just it's an interesting thing or, to bring up. Or, or you could argue that it is like very much like anti, a, a, like, and that's a whole other shade to the movie, right? It, it is, is commenting like, on this world. It is. It's like, is this is is this bad, or is this actually I mean, in its own way? I think the blood and the guts might maybe, maybe suggest that maybe it is, but that's I, only one. But I like that there's an interpretation where there's horrible. Is I don't even necessarily buy that that uh, that explanation. By the way, I don't know. Um, yeah, I so know. I just uh, yeah no I think there's a, yeah we there's didn't even touch on to that. About, there's yeah. a whole I think the whole religious aspect of it too is a huge is a huge part of it, mm -hmm. and there are the statements being made there. I and I they're fascinating. I just I was always just hooked on Florence. Gosh, she's so good in this. Florence Pugh is so good. And I uh, who the the guy's name is um oh my gosh I can't Which think guy? of his name the main the boyfriend guy. Oh, <sighs> he's like a Chris Pratt number like dose. 
I just kept thinking, like, God, he looks like Chris Pratt. His he's in Jack Rayner is his name. Sure, he's, he's in poor man's Sing Street, and he's he's very good. Yeah, I like it. Okay, we're gonna get to number ones, but I got a couple more awards we're gonna give out real okay. quick. Um, I'm gonna go great best uh, musical scene. Elizabeth Moss, who is so good in a smaller part in Us, she's in a movie called Her Smell. She plays like a rock star singer who. Uh, is on drugs and the first hour and a half of this movie is just like a frenzy of Elizabeth Moss like mm-hmm. capital A acting going crazy mm-hmm. and then the movie kind of stops and she's recovering and she sits at a piano because she's got a young daughter that she hasn't seen in a long time and she, her daughter asks her to play some, play a song that reminds you of me Aww. so she sits at a in a one single take she sits at a piano and plays a cover song of Brian Adams' Heaven and you should play this if, well maybe you won't then you won't but uh, she plays this like it's a cheesy Brian Adams like song. If I saw you in heaven. No, no, Did no, you no. Know my name. If you saw. No, me in that's heaven? a different song. It's oh, okay. it, no, it not that song. It's oh. Brian Adams. It's called Heaven, but it's an incredible, uh, full, full sequence, and it's just uh, she's such a great actress, right? And it's just a, a great moment. It just plays out in one take the whole song, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's so good. It's on. It's based on everybody's list of best musical movement, other than. The ending of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is also a great musical moment. Oh, okay. But that spoils the movie, so I won't. Uh, and that is barely out, so we won't we won't yeah, talk about I just that one. Barely saw the trailer for that. Yeah, we won't talk about that one because it's very good, and the ending of that is brilliant. But okay. it's music based as well. Okay. Uh, All right. Oh, not as bad as advertised. That's another award. Dora. No, no. Oh. Dark Phoenix. It's bad, but it's not like the worst thing in the world. That X Men movie. Yeah. yeah. It was fine. Okay. Not a big deal. Uh, oh, a movie that's good, that's, I guess, an honorable mention, but I never want to watch again. I wanted to do this for it because you made a comment about, like, is it a movie I want to watch again? I don't know. Yeah. The Nightingale. This was this. a movie, I, we talked about it on the podcast a little bit. It's about a woman in, Aust- like, Australia during, like, the British sending the prisoners down and all that Ooh, stuff. Yeah. And it's just, like, there's, like, the op- first 30 minutes has, like, like two extended rape sequences, Ooh. murder, mayhem horrible like things happened to this woman and we were basically the moral of the story is like we were terrible humans during this period of the uh, time down in australia and yeah we probably still do a lot of these horrible things right yikes so it's pretty tough movie to watch but it's really well made and it is uh, uh just incredibly acted and it's good it's on hulu but Nightingale. you'll feel bad after watching it cool <laughs> so i'm not gonna watch that one again but it's uh it's very good nice all right so, oddly enough, we did not plan it. I did not plan it. And maybe there's a little bit of recency bias going on here. There is definitely some recency bias. But I've happening. seen this movie twice. I saw it two months ago, and it's always been very high in my list. And then seeing it again with you... Last night. ...solidified at it. the movie theater. Any, ...anymore. And I had a feeling this was going to happen, because I was like... When I watched it, I was like, oh, man, no. I mean, this... And, and I would argue that it is the objective best movie of the year as well yeah it's real good and i was so ex- i was when I, you came out of it and i i, I you could, were nervous i could tell you i was nervous because like, oh, i was like because i was like this say? is brilliant like this is a freaking like this is i mean i were the you, irishman were you, were you gonna break up with me no the know? irishman i think is a masterpiece but it's three and a half hours and so i get it when people are like well mm-hmm. i'm like fine i people, get that people being me i know there's um <laughs> but parasite is our number one movie parasite and it is just so brilliantly structured and it is about a lot of really big things and ideas but it's told in a way that is just pure movie like there's no you couldn't tell this 
on a stage and a book. It, it's a movie, right? It has to be a movie. And it's got so much in it. It it's covers great. a lot of genres. It is. It's Parasite. I was. Uh, you didn't want to even do this episode until because you you seen my Thank list. God, you yeah. know you. Okay, you were gonna force me to record this like on like th- four days ago, and I was like, I want to see Parasite it before I do this. It wasn't playing well, no. but then it got Oscar nominated, and so then it like it kind of filtered into some theaters again, which was good. It's gonna be on video yes. in a couple weeks, but so good thing. And I'm glad that you got to go, and we had a chance to go see it together. So this is a Korean. South Korean Bong Joon-ho, who made uh, other great movies, including so Snowpiercer and The Host. Those are kind of the bigger ones that people know, right? So good. And this is, uh, it's all all subtitled, obviously, which is like, I think, even for you, it was like convincing you, know, you to go do I, this. So this again, is like frustrating. I was, but I was like, ah, it's so good, though. I was telling people about this, and I was like, it is subtitled. And, you know, people were like, uh, and I'm like, I know. I'm that person who's like, uh, I don't want to read. But... <sighs> It didn't feel like I was reading too much. I kept up with it fine, and it, it's totally worth it. Because it's such a – it's so cinematic, mm-hmm. right? And it's not a big story. Now it, well, it is a big story, but it's not yeah. told on, like, an action movie scale necessarily, right? And But the dialogue – the performances are so good that, like, the dialogue plays out. You can read it, and then you can filter it through the performance still. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it's shot and the way that it's paced specifically – Make lets you appreciate, which is like this cast is amazing. Every every part of this movie, like cast wise, is so well done. Agreed. And I don't even. It's hard because I don't want to because it's going to be on video because it. But it is about a a very poor family that live in like a sub basement. Yep. And the son finds a way to kind of tricking a, a family into being a tutor into hiring him as an English tutor, and then. It leads to a situation where the his sister could get hired as an art teacher for the younger kid, mm-hmm. and then the parents get and then jobs. The dad gets hired as a driver, and the mom gets. But hired But they're not as telling the truth about um, how them being related, right? And they're, yeah. they're they're because they the way that this family is, they're very rich, they're very well off, they only want the best, right? And this yeah. is just a very poor family that are desperate for work, right? So that is what the movie is, the setup, and the setup is in really great because it just it makes you fall in love with this. These, this family, they're lying and doing but things that they need to do to they're, they're make money. Poor, but they're lovable. They're not like yeah. trashy or horrible. But they're, they're just they're just trying property. to get things done, and they, they're they're only lying to work so they can yeah. work hard for people, right? Yeah, it doesn't appear that they have an intention of like stealing anything or being super nefarious. The they way just the want jobs, the way the mom gets her job, like takes place over. I think Bong Joon Ho has even talked about it being like a Mission Impossible setup yes. sequence. The way that it, they have to like get to do the thing to do yeah. the thing to get into the thing so she could do the yeah. is really well done and then it's about an hour in you get a long scene with this family they are in the house the uh, the rich family has left for a camping trip and then this All movie just breaks loose it goes from like what you think is going to happen you're like okay well something's good. like this is the moment the movie is announcing itself as like they're too comfortable in this moment yep and and sure enough, that happens. But then this other thing happens, and then this other like, thing happens, and you're fuck? like, "Well, how did that happen?" And then how did this happen? And it is just uh, from that point on, it is just a master. Then it's more. It's also like a Mission Impossible type movie. It's it's not, but it's all. I mean, it's an. It's more thrilling than most action movies, and yet it's like there's no running around even really. There's some violence, I guess we could say, but like that's not really the point of it, and that's not really where the thrills are coming mm-hmm. from. 
Um, it's just little actions that are staged so well. And then what it's about, I think, really becomes clear in that last hour or two. And just this family, and we were talking about it yesterday, just like there's a, there's a flood. And there is a very lengthy scene where three characters go from one house to another. And they're just going downstairs, down, 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 down. and it's just down the way it's shot. Down and then some stairs, down another hill, down, down, down. And then we down. get into their neighborhood during this flood, and it is just—it's flooding. It's—it is just one of the most spectacularly staged sequences, uh, uh, just so well done in in all respects that it just everything after that just lands because you feel the weight of what they're having to do. I just it it's it's incredible. It's an incredible movie, and the way that it's also about because I think some other movies this year we've talked a little bit about this, like with us especially too, is just like whenever there are people on the top, there has to be people on the bottom, and there's this this situation where people have to use others to for gain, right? Mm-hmm. But what I love about Parasite is that the rich family are not horrible people. Like in Knives Out, the rich are. They're kind of horrible, right? It's a good movie. It's fun, but they're like, they're they're not good people. Yeah, Parasite, they're not great people, <laughs> and you know they they are privileged and they live a life of privilege, and that is directly impacting this family. But they're not, they're but not they being have, malicious. No, and, and and the movie makes a point of pointing that out. Yeah, they've got their own dysfunctions and desires. Just. They're just very relatable people, and they're, even but they're, though they're unaware mm-hmm. of. And, and they're just unaware of this other thing, and it. You, but it does bring up like the the issue of like being complicit. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, you're not actively doing anything. Well, bad. I think that's what the end of the movie is about a lot, but right? Definitely, there are definitely consequences to your yes. complicity, right? Yes. Um, it's so good. It's I, really good. I'm disappointed we're not just spoiling it and talking about it. So. I know. It's it's just that we're so close to it being on video and it's yeah. Oscar nominated. And it probably because it's a foreign language movie, it will win that foreign language award, but it will not win Best Picture, likely. But it is, like I think, just objectively so brilliantly yeah. made. It is objectively the best movie of the year, but it's also the one that it was high on my list. And then watching it again and just seeing yeah. it, how it clicks together so perfectly is just... It's a mat. It's, 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 it's masterful. A, it's a dark comedy. It's a suspense. It's a thriller. It's a. It has slapstick in it. Well, and I even teased you before I saw it because I didn't want you to know a lot about it. Uh, but I was just like, "There's like this, just my worst jump scare in the movie," which is I mean, a little bit was being a little bit deceitful about that yeah. comment. But yeah. the point is that it's no. It was like it was a thing that scared me. So like I just wanted to like set that up, you know, a little bit to give you this idea because you're like, oh, it's like a horror movie, and I was like, wow, it's not a horror movie, but it kind of is. I just had trouble explaining what kind of movie this is to someone. That's like, what's so great about it, though. And in my co- coworker was like, well, the wife doesn't like scary movies, so is it a scary movie? And I was like, well, I mean, no, it's not like a scary movie. But and, I mean, it's kind of a scary movie. <laughs> and this is one that I would say, if you're allergic, quote unquote, to foreign language or reading, it's not an issue. No, like you should actually, watch it. Like what I really, really loved about it was right from the beginning, as you're watching this South Korean family sitting around their little table eating their soda and snacks, they're just super relatable. Mm-hmm. I am not to that level of poverty. I mean, I'm barely above that, but. They're super relatable. Even though they're Korean, it felt like any American can relate to the story of just, like, 
you're you're doing the best you can. You want to get a job. The family just seemed really relatable, even though there are obviously some huge cultural differences. I think the filmmaker just did a really good job of making them as a as a middle American. I was relating to them, and that that was a good experience. And that yeah, it's just. Uh... It's just it's so well made. It's yeah. just just the craft I of it say alone. A things about how good the craft it was. of it alone, and you just want people to go see it. And it, yeah, it's not something that you uh, if you're because uh, it, it's it's so inconsequential. Like the because I, I get it. Like I I really liked Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I I know that there are going to be people like let's well, it's in French and it's a costume thing, and, like, and they're just I'm talking French. for two That's hours French. in French, and it's just like it's really good. But okay, I get it. It's like not your thing. But this is. It's like a Mission Impossible movie in a lot of stretches, and it's like that's that's the best way that I try to convince people because it's like no, it really does deliver like a cinematic experience in a way that you're not going to get in any other thing. So I uh, and we were even talking about like the the one lingering thing and how that could yes. just be a whole other thing, and there yes. might be there might be another thing that comes down the pipe or whatever, and I think that's just super exciting. So what I also loved about this movie, kind of touched on it already, was that. A lot of movies, like, fall into the trap of having, like, an obnoxious antagonist mm -hmm. that's, like, just annoying and grating and irritating. That that character does not exist in this movie. Even it wouldn't though, work. It wouldn't... Even though this rich family is the antagonist, even even the worst character that's the worst is not that It would break the irritating. spell of the movie, and it would break what yeah. it's trying to say, it tries to say at the end, yeah. if anybody and, was too overtly villainous. Yeah. Because I think at the end you're like, this is a tragedy for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, spoiler alert: everybody dies. I don't know if you should say that, but but you're like, I like at the end of the movie, I was heartbroken for everybody. Because it it is it's definitely about like I think this is what I I struggled with saying like between us and this being number one. That's what kind of what this fight was always about. I tell Little Women was just so goddamn delightful, but. For me, it was just this, like, they both are kind of telling sides of the same kind of tale of morality a little bit. And, it, and it's an important message, but it's not political. It's not political in a way that is like, uh, you know, a, a one ideology, I don't think. I think you can bring a lot to it yourself. Yeah. And 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 begin to see that maybe maybe there's something quite, not quite right with how we, we treat people in general. And, and I just the think that the there's day, a there's a there's something there. At the end of the day, we're we're all we're all the same. Yeah. Uh, so I just that to me, I like that. Which this isn't like that exists. the us argument too. At the absolutely, end of the day, we're all the same. Well, that's absolutely. I mean, quite literally. <laughs> I mean, and the Irishman. At the end of the day, you're you're doing all this, but you're sad and lonely, and you've accomplished nothing in your life. Right. It's just, uh, well, I mean, that's a whole different uh, kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, it does, there's that call for humanity that is, uh, that's there. And that's what makes these movies memorable, I think. Mm -hmm. That's what I take away for and gravitate in these movies. So, so to our recap, number one was Parasite. Both of us. Yes. We agreed on number one. Yes, we did. There might have been some, I don't think, I think even if you had had a couple months between, you would, uh, would, this one would linger for you too. Probably. Yeah. I'm glad that we got to get this in before yes, we started this me episode. Too. So to recap, just from, go through your from ten, 10 to one. one. Ten, Dora in the Lost City of Gold. <laughs> Sorry. I hate you. Nine, Avengers Endgame. Mm -hmm. Eight, Tie, Long Shot, Late Night. Mm -hmm. Seven, The Farewell. Six, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Five, Us. Four, Dark Waters. Three, Last Black Man in San Francisco. 
Two, Midsummer. One, Parasite. My number 10 is Transit. My number 9 is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. My number 8 is Midsummer. My number 7 was Toy Story 4. Number 6, Merit Story. Number 5, The Irishman. Number 4, Little Women. Number 3, The Farewell. Number 2, Us. Number 1, Parasite. Did you have honorable mentions you wanted to mention or no? I saw so many good movies this year. Okay. What were some of your honorable mentions? Uh, my next, this is tough, because I, 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 my f- number one through five, I feel like is, is. Solid. That's where it's at. And then the next, I felt like it was a pretty good year for pretty good movies, right? Mm-hmm. There's always, always a few great movies, and then there's like a good amount of pretty good movies. So I, I struggled leaving these out, because it's not enough room for everything, but 1917, the oh. war film. The one-shot war film. Is it really one shot? No, it's not one shot. (laughs) It's several shots, but it looks... It's technically very... uh, Pretty good. The Lighthouse, which was mentioned as an Mm -hmm. award in this uh, episode. Avengers Endgame was on my honorable mention. Ad Astra was briefly mentioned in this movie. Daddy Issues with Brad Pitt. Uncut Gems, the Safdie Brothers uh, Adam Sandler movie that I find very delightful that is like a box office hit and people that went to the movie theater in wide release on Christmas Day and watched that movie (laughs) and hated it because it's not an Adam Sandler movie. Mm -hmm. Very good. I am a fan of Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was on your list. Loved it. I'm a fan of Jojo Rabbit. That's one I... uh, Very curious. I can't wait for you to watch because I'm wondering where you're going to fall on it. I like it. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, we've talked about a little bit. A movie called Loose with Octavia Spencer's best performance that's been God, I completely seen, like, forgotten. Half of these movies. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Okay. Sweet. Ford v. Ferrari, we both liked yep. a lot. My dad's number one favorite. Yep. Hi, Dad. Her Smell, which we mentioned Elizabeth Moss for. And then Dolomite is My Name, a very, very Ooh. solid uh, Eddie Murphy performance. Good film. That was your 11 through 20? 11 through 21, 22. Gee, you cheater. Oh, I can't My remember My 11 what I through 20 mm-hmm. was The Art of Self-Defense. Ooh, we, we, let's, maybe we'll talk about that we'll on a future episode. <laughs> yeah. Little Women. Yep. Ford v. Ferrari. Book Smart, mm. which I almost tied with the others, but it didn't like make it up there enough. Okay. And we've talked about it before. Yep. John Wick Chapter 3. Toy Story 4. Frozen 2. Captain Marvel. That's good. Here's I a good like one Captain for Marvel. you. Noel. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Noel. The Bikram documentary. Yeah. Dolomite is my name. Yeah. Always be my baby. Mm-hmm. Unicorn store. Once <laughs> yeah. upon a time in Hollywood. Okay, that was a couple things I wanted to mention because the two big movies at the Oscar nominations, and I, one of them was probably going to win Best Picture, and that's going to be Once Upon a Time with Hollywood. Movie we talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. We liked a lot of it, mm-hmm. and then I think we both struggled with the last act. A little bit and some middle parts but sure i love brad pitt i i listen i'm on board for brad pitt winning that oscar in a couple weeks he's gonna win i think it's a great performance leo dicaprio is great in it i have it i want to watch it again because i know it's on a lot of top 10 lists i'm interested in watching it again too i think the biggest problem with this movie is a lack of editing yeah and so you know but it's this is the one besides parasite and the Irishmen that are on top of everybody's, a lot of top 10 yeah. lists. So that is, I, I'm acknowledging that it's very good. It was just, for whatever reason, the ending didn't hit us, right? And then the other one, uh, which I don't think you saw, is Joker. No, I did not. With Joaquin Phoenix. He gives a, a great performance. He will probably win the Oscar. He, I love Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. He definitely deserves an Oscar. I did not like this movie, like, at all. And I think it's insane that it's nominated for Best Picture and nominated for all the nominations it is. But whatever. whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but it's fine. 
those are the two other big movies that we didn't talk about, but they're um, one of my movie rewards was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Most uh, th- tension-filled scene is the Spawn Ranch sequence with Brad Pitt in the middle of that movie. It's pretty yeah, that's damn pretty mm-hmm. tense. I don't know if it's the most tense scene. But well, no, Parasite yeah. pretty much takes that whole take cake, but also, you know, Midsummer's got some. Yeah, yeah. Also, but I'm talking about a sequence, you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure, anyway, sure, sure. but Joker, what the hell? I don't know. All right, guys. Well, thank you for making it all the way to the end of this episode. It has been a great 2019. It was a great year for movies. And here's to another great year of looking back and enjoying new movies. Yeah, next episode we'll go back to our normal format. We'll probably talk about some 2019 movies still because we're still watching some. That's what we always do at the beginning of an episode, including that Nicolas Cage straight-to-video movie I just watched. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to wrap it up because we are getting to be a very long episode. Thank you again for listening. It's winter. People are stuck in traffic. We will talk at you another movie. People are stuck. <laughs>